we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning as we begin. Let's get our hearts and minds heavenward as we read from Scripture, Revelation 5, 13. You follow along as I read and you get ready to express your praise to God. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen? It is him that we have come to worship this morning. Let's begin with hymn 202. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Stand together, let's sing. your voice to the worship of God. It is a great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Welcome those around you. Welcome. 
Good morning. Welcome to worship. We're so grateful that you are here and, and worshiping with us this morning. If you are a guest, we would love to get to know you. And the way we do that, we're on these cards. It should be in the pew back in front of you. If you would, take one of those and fill it out and put it in the offering plate at the end of the service, and we can get to know you. Thanks for, for coming to worship. And I, I just want us to know, as we, as we come into Colossians 2 this week, we are here for one reason and one reason alone. We are here to serve and worship our Lord and our Savior. If we, if we have come into this place, or if we're watching on TV, for any other reason, we are mistaken. In fact, our, our time, our time together is for the Lord and for Him alone. And so, whatever uh, other reason we may gather, let's set those aside and say, this time is for the Lord. And this time is because we love the Lord and we're going to serve Him with all that we are. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful to be here, recognizing your holiness, your constant work in our lives. Praise you, Father. And Lord, we pray that as we lift up your holy name, that your, your spirit would move in a mighty way to bring about your reign, your goodness upon this earth. So, Lord, we pray this morning you would open our eyes and our ears to the word that you have for us. Lord, that we would experience you anew this morning. To know you above all others. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Let me call your attention now to Psalm 51. 14 through 17, this very familiar text here. Follow along with me as I read a portion of this. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, these you will not despise. We're going to continue our worship this morning with hymn 27, All Creatures of Our God and King. You're going to hear this tune. You've already heard it from Dr. Seth, and we're going to hear it a couple more times today. We're going to ask you, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God. To praise Him, to give Him glory. So every time we sing this chorus, oh, praise Him, alleluia, I want it to sound almost like you're shouting. We just cannot contain how much we love this good God. Let's stand to our feet, sing this together, hymn 27.
children, come on down, come meet me right over here. And as they do, we want to welcome our TV congregation. We're grateful you get to participate with us, walk with us here. Come on down. So good to see all of you. Yeah, we'll wait for you. Come on. You're good. You're good. Come on down. All right. So good to see y'all. All right, this morning I have a, a couple of questions for you. One, have, have you all uh, been to school uh, at the end of October and your teachers had to dress up in a costume? Have you ever done that? Have you ever, have you ever seen a teacher dress up in a costume? All right, those of you who are saying yes, what have you seen your teachers dress up as? What, what have you seen? A dinosaur? What else? What else have you seen them dress up as? A pig? Good. What else? What else have you seen? A cook? Yeah, what else? I'm sorry, What? Oh, Horton, here's a who, the Dr. Seuss stuff, yeah. What else? Charlotte's Web. Yeah, a lot of them will dress up like, like literature, uh, characters from literature, right? Yeah, what, what else? A witch, uh-oh. <laughs> what else? Anything else? A wizard, what else? Uh, oh, a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Well, that's a good thing because I, had a t I heard a teacher this week that had to do the same thing. He has to dress up as that. So let me ask you, if your teacher dresses up like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, does that make your teacher a Tyrannosaurus Rex? No. No? Are you sure? Uh, you're, you're absolutely positive. What if, what if they dress up like a cook? I heard somebody say, does that make them a cook? No. No, that doesn't make them a cook. That's right. What if they dress up like Dr. Seuss? Does that make, no, it doesn't, it doesn't make them that way, does it? I want you to listen in the sermon today, because we have a, a very similar story in the sermon today. And I've got some pictures we're going to show on the screen of, of a guy who is dressing up like a referee. And he would go to games and pretend to be a referee. Now, if you just dress up in a referee costume, does that make you a referee? No, it doesn't, does it? Well, one of the things that we have to be really careful about is there's a lot of people around us who pretend that they know a lot about God and what God's saying, and we have to be real careful because some of them, just because they dress up that way, doesn't mean they know. And in fact, we have to all have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So we know who he is, and we're not fooled by people who are just dressed up like they know what they're talking about. And so we draw in near to God and we have a personal relationship with him so we can tell the difference between those who know Jesus and those who don't. All right, so listen in the sermon real carefully for those who watch the, watch the pictures today, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we pray that you would help us to see clearly. Lord, that we would know you and know your word. And for each one of us here and each one of these students, Lord, show them your ways and who you are. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you. 
We're going to continue in our worship to take hymn number 532, I Have Come From the Darkness. Now, this is not a new hymn, but we don't sing it a lot here. It's, it's very, once you learn it, you're going to know it real well. So just jump right in, everybody. I Have Come From the Darkness. Let's stand together and sing.
If you would, find your listening sheet. Looks like this should be in your, your bulletin. We're going to read aloud together Colossians 2, 16 through 23. So if you would stand with me as we read. This then is the text for today. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourselves to decrees such as, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use? in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. May God bless the reading of his word. Barry Bremen was an interesting character who was just trying to have some fun in the 80s. In fact, Barry was called the Great Imposter by ESPN. And what Barry would do is that he would go and purchase realistic uh, sports memorabilia to wear and or he would have somebody make for him authentic professional gear that athletes wore. And what he would do just for fun he would sneak into sporting events and go out on the floor. He would go to an NBA game and go shoot layups with him in the layup lines. And the NBA players would just laugh at him and, and let him be there. Um, but he, he would do all of these sorts of things in sporting events and, and eventually became a thing where people were watching for him. Some people were cheering for him and other people were trying to get him out of there by any means necessary. But there are also some events where Barry snuck in as a referee. In fact, he would get the perfect referee garb and go and do his thing. In fact, I've got some pictures. I'm going to show you some of these. This is him dressing up, getting ready to go to an NFL game. So he's got his white hat. You see he's got the, the yellow flag there. He's ready to throw it uh, if need be. And so he went on the field as, as an NFL referee. And keep going. He also, you'll see him on the next one. He, he was an NHL referee one game. And this, he posed for a photo shoot before because now he's sort of like glowing in it and he's gloating in it. And he would go and, and, um, and he, would, he would tell some people he was going to do it. And he would go out and he'd be a referee. And so go to the next one. Now this, is, this is him walking into an NBA game. Look, there's a security guard right behind him. And there he is walking in. He's got his whistle around his neck and he's walking onto the court as an NBA referee. And I've got one more. I want you to see the, the next one. This is the 1980 World Series. Look, the guy on the end that's standing a little bit in front, 
That's, that's Barry. He's standing in line. He's going to be a major league umpire that day. And, and nobody, there's security, there's cameramen, the baseball players, they're all surrounding him. And there he is in the line singing the national anthem at the World Series. It's the Phillies and the Royals. And he snuck in to be an umpire. Now, to be clear and to uh, defend him a little bit, he never interfered with an actual game. Uh, it was always pre-game or sort of on the sidelines or halftime, those kinds of things. He never actually interfered with, with gameplay ever. But could you imagine if he got into the game and started making calls? I mean, he would just wreak havoc. I mean, everybody already blames the refs, right? They, I mean, the refs get booed more than anyone. But if you get some crazy ref that's just out there doing whatever he wants to do, I mean, just, just imagine if a random person ran into officiate and just started making up rules. He's in the World Series calling people out when there's only two strikes. Or, you know, he, he's out there and he ejects somebody because they're smiling too big on the bench. Or he's out there just changing the score, saying that was a home run or that wasn't a home run, just making up calls. It, it would ruin everything if you had these referee imposters run into the, the middle of a, an NBA game or whatever it might be. What's interesting is this is the very analogy Scripture uses today. You may have missed it. It's in verse 18. It's how verse 18 begins. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize. That is very specifically a, a referee at an athletic event who doesn't let you finish or doesn't give you the medal or doesn't give you the, the run or the out that you deserve. And in fact, they, they fraudulently come in and change the rules and take away from you what really should have been yours. They're calling balls strikes. They're calling strikes balls. And they're, they're doing everything on their own and just making it up as they go along. Let no one defraud you in this way. Let no one defraud you of your prize. This is exactly what it means. See, there are all kinds of imposter refs in this world who are trying to call you out when you are safe. In fact, that's the very thing that's happening in the Colossian church. There's, there's someone in particular who's calling a bunch of people out when they're perfectly safe. Now, we're not going to get into the, the psychology of all of this today, but there are a lot of people who like to put on black and white jerseys and tell everyone else what to do. And if they put on these black and white jerseys and tell everyone else what to do, they are the taking the place of our Lord God above. There are these ridiculous imposters who have no clue what they're talking about. And they take the rules and they twist them and they bend them for their own ways and for their own good and for their own control. And so this is what's happening at the church at Colossae. Things are getting out of hand at this point. And Paul mentions several new rules that these imposter refs have brought into the play, that they're putting on to people. In fact, as, as, as verse 16 begins, if you look back up with me at Colossians 2, 16, it says, no one's to act as your judge, right? It's this, the same kind of thought. No one's, no one, no one's a ref here but, but God alone. And in regard to, so it has specific things here, food or drink in respect to a festival or new moon or, or a Sabbath day. So you see these things, and, and all of these have kind of a, a Jewish tint to them in this place where there were, there were Judaizers in the early Christian church that are, that are putting ancient Jewish restrictions 
on new Gentile Christians, and it was tearing the church apart. As if if you didn't eat the right things, or if you didn't behave in the right way on the Sabbath day, they would throw a penalty flag. They would eject you out of the service, say, this is over. Don't let these imposter refs judge you, blowing their whistles, throwing their flags. See, if people are not bringing you before the Lord, instead they're bringing you in front, of, in front of themselves and in front of their own ways, it is a huge mistake. And they kept adding things. They kept adding other rules too, like the worship of angels. You're going to worship angels or you're out of here. You're, you're going to practice something along the lines of extreme fasting or you're out of here. If you can't fast for 10 days, you're out of here. You're not right with the Lord. But you know what? This is what the scripture, the case scripture is making here. Just because somebody puts on a homemade referee jersey and changes the rules doesn't mean they have any authority at all. It doesn't matter how good their costume looks, how authentic their clothes are. We answer to one and one alone. We answer to the Lord our God. In fact, you may be enabling them by giving them any credence at all. The message to the church was, do not let these ridiculous impositions remain. Now, there is great difficulty here. Because the, the difficulty for the church, and from then on, is that many of these sounded good. Some of them even scriptural. Now, we know some aren't like the worship of angels, but, but some of them certainly are scriptural. You know, and we know, indeed, we're called to encourage one another to build one another up. We're called to teach one another and walk with one another in faith. This was something different. This was, was not following the, the teachings of the Lord. This was not encouraging the church and building one another up. This was placing restrictions to the point of control that was turning the church into something else. It was no longer Christian. It was no longer Christ-like. In fact, they were turning all into an imposter referee. They were taking the good things like prayer and fasting and turning them into a spiritual competition. You know, it was something like this that, you know, if we pray louder or if we fast longer, we are more pious than them. You see, this is the sort of thing the imposter refs were going for, perverting some good things, taking them to the extreme and forcing them on people as a way of control over them. And you know, all of this is a reminder for us to remain diligent, near to God and near to His Word. Because we, we can see it. I mean, you, you saw uh, Barry in those pictures. Imposter referees have incredible costumes. In fact, I want you to think back with me. Think back with me to, to Matthew chapter 4. Remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan, and even in, in those times, as, as Jesus faced off with Satan himself in the middle of it all, what does Satan do to him? Satan quotes Psalm 91 as a temptation to Jesus Christ, that Satan himself was using Scripture and manipulating it for his own ends. It's deceptive, it's difficult, and it is ever-present today. We still see these imposter refs doing the very same thing. We draw near to God. We draw near to God. We draw near to his, his word. We begin to hear his voice. We know the sound of his voice. It becomes different. 
You know, there's another terrible thing that has been happening in, in recent history where many of, of us preaching are only preaching half a gospel. You know, a lot of times, even when we celebrate our ordinances, we, we celebrate in, in a half a gospel kind of way. I think I've, I've heard of you, so many of you share, share these stories, and I've experienced myself too, where there was a time when we, we would come and we would only preach a gospel of hellfire and a gospel of judgment and a gospel of the immediate wrath of God. This, this terrible anger of God that can rip us apart limb from limb, which is certainly true, right? It's, it's absolutely biblical. However, if we're only giving half the truth, we're not telling the whole gospel, right? And so we, we swung over here and we said, that this is the absolute judgment of God, and it was devoid of any grace or any love, telling half the gospel. And then, then it kind of swung back the other pendulum, swung back the other way. And, 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 and we hear messages and a proclamation of, of this, God is love and filled with grace and holiness and forgiveness, all at the expense of his judgment and his anger, as if the two couldn't go exist. And so he swung back that other way, but still only telling half the gospel. When both of these exist as the character of God, a God of, of great and holy wrath, and at the same time, a God that is filled with an unending love. Both of these things are true, and in fact, if we only preach one or the other, we are preaching half a gospel. And you know, it's, it's, it's terrible when we only preach half a gospel. You see, as that, as that went on, you, you saw each side calling fouls on the other and still doing, where, where this side's blowing the whistle and this side's throwing their yellow flags, both using Scripture both technically right and absolutely wrong. Because it is true that there is surely a fiery judgment and an unending love. You know, if we only ever tell half the truth, we're lying to them. If we only tell half the truth, we're lying to ourselves. Which is where the extreme sides of both end up. And so, you know, it's, it's difficult for all because we, we bring all of this together and, and this, is, this is confusing. I mean, Satan himself is manipulating with Scripture. Well-meaning people only telling half a gospel. Imposter refs all over the place. How, how in the world do we even have a chance? How, how, can we, how can we get this right at all? You see, Scripture has an answer for us this morning. Your chance is in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, your only hope, the only way we get any of this right is through the person of Jesus Christ. Hear what our scripture says in verse 17, Colossians 2, 17. Some of all those other things they were talking about, those things are a mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance, the body, the reality belongs to Jesus Christ. See, all the, all the rules and all the impositions and all those other things that, that we, we twist around are a shadow of the reality that is Jesus Christ. All, all that we are and all that we do come through Him. There's nothing good apart from Him. And as we deal with this present reality, we're always to compare what we hear with who Christ is and what Christ does. You see, we, we bring this at recognizing that, that Jesus Christ, he, he is a real person. 
with whom we can have a real relationship. In fact, he was a real person who came, who was crucified and was raised again for our sake. So much so that if Jesus says, follow me, we're going to follow him wherever he goes. When Jesus says, repent or go make disciples, we're going to do exactly as he calls us to. Whatever Jesus says, that is the way that we are going to go. Whenever Jesus says, follow me, that is exactly the path we are going to take. See, any, any kind of rules or self-help lists or, or six steps to a new you are all going to fail miserably. They're completely ineffective apart from the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, they're, they're all a waste of time if Jesus isn't the center. In fact, we may need to think of it differently than that. Because a lot of us, what we want are, are the, the six steps to a new you or the ten steps to, to whatever that's going to be, when often what Jesus is doing is calling us in faith to take the next little baby step forward. In fact, you, you see Jesus taking us by the hand, saying, follow me. And he gives us one step where, where we step forward and we get our feet wet. It's kind of like that story in, in Joshua 3 when, when the Israelites are about to go into the promised land. And God calls them to, to go in the promised land. go into the promised land. And between them and the promised land is the Jordan River. He said, God is with us and God is before us and God is taking care of us. And God says, go put your feet in the water. It looked impossible until the priests began to step forward and get their feet wet. And as they, they walked forward with the Lord and got their feet wet, they began to see dry land. They began to see a new promised land that was something holy and something good. Think about the same story with, with Peter where, where he says, Lord, I'm command me to come out onto the water with you. And Jesus says, come. And, and as long as he kept his eyes fixed upon the Christ, he, he takes another step under the water, his feet get wet, and as long as he's fixated on the person of Jesus Christ, he begins to do things he was never capable of on his own. In fact, he begins to see a miracle, completely impossible in the life of this world, when he took that next step forward and got his feet wet. And Jesus kept walking with him. And so that's what we need to do, and that's who we need to follow is in this relationship with Jesus Christ moving forward. It's hard for us because we get confused. We see, and, and, and that's why we need to draw in near to Jesus so we can see him and know him. We know his voice. And then the, the imposters begin to kind of drift away, and you can tell the difference between the person of Jesus Christ and, and somebody who's an imposter referee. Yeah, in fact, we're, we're, we're told in, in people that study eyewitness testimony that, that practically beyond about eight yards, you begin to get some distortion. You, you may not get the details of a person right at eight yards. It's not very far. In fact, if you go out 50 yards, you're probably not going to get much right at all at 50 yards away. It's a reminder for us that we, we need to stay near to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping our, our eyes on Him. And as we do, as we're near Him and we can see Him more clearly, we're more able to tell those imposters. 
that when you see those imposter refs standing next to Jesus Christ, they'll look like a cartoon. The similarities will, will diminish the closer we are to Christ. You know, Jesus is, is clear in the Gospel of John that it's, it, it's him and he alone that is the only way to a right relationship with God. You're never going to be able to do enough good things to make you right with God. In fact, you're never going to be able to get your life together enough to be right with God. If you're waiting on yourself to get this right before you come to the Lord, it's never going to happen. We're not capable of that. The only way we make any progress in this world is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what we're, that's what we're longing for. That's what we're looking towards is this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So, so many of us are, are striving on our own, listening to fraudulent refs, when we can be set free knowing the ever-present love of Jesus Christ. In fact, I hope we understand this morning. It's just like we get to, to Matthew uh, chapter 6. We got like verse 19, really through the end of the chapter from 19 to 34. You're, you're Jesus really giving us clear instruction. Don't worry about these temporary things and these temporary issues. There's so many things that are gathering around you that, that, you're, that you're worried about, like, like money or food or clothing or retirement. And all of that stuff is so temporary, it's going to fade away. You know, the clothes that, that you're worried about are going to be out of style and worn out in a year or two. We're worried about much bigger things than those kinds of things. In fact, what, what Jesus tells us is that tomorrow is going to worry about itself. He said, don't, don't, don't worry about tomorrow and don't worry about those, those things that are said to need to be done. In fact, as we, if we think through the, the message of Scripture, we're not promised tomorrow. And so if we're not promised tomorrow, and Jesus says us not to worry about tomorrow, we have a different call on our lives. That may, maybe our prayer should be something like this. Today for you in faith. That I'm going to live my life today and I'm going to take the step forward and get my feet wet today. And it's going to be for you, Lord. Not for me or any other, anybody else or any other ref that's telling me what to do. This is for you today. And I'm going to take that step in faith. Knowing that you are my God and that you are taking care of every need of my life. And so we're not going to worry about all that other temporal stuff. But we're going to focus in on the eternal by focusing in on the present and focusing in on a present relationship with Jesus Christ. How are you doing today? Is it today for Him in faith? Let's pray together. Our Lord, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we, we recognize that we often get it wrong. And we most certainly get it wrong when we take our eyes off of you. So Lord, we, we pray this morning that your spirit would move in a mighty way in our hearts and our lives. That we may see you clearly. Know your voice. To be made pure and holy. Lord, work as only you can work. 
make things right. In all of it, we, we surrender to you. We hand our lives and all that we are over to you, submitting to your authority and your authority alone. And it's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. We're going to take the time now to respond to God. We have a number of ways that, that we can do this, but all of us are going to respond to God in, in some way uh, at this time. One of the ways, there, there's some options on the bottom of your listening sheet. You may want to respond to God in one of those ways. Maybe you want to come forward. The altar is open for us to pray. You come and pray. I'll be here. Brian will be here. Uh, we'd be happy to receive you. We'll pray with you. We'll talk with you about accepting Christ or being part of this church. This is the time to do that. The, the time is now. The time is today. We're also going to sing together. We're going to give. And as we do, it's all as obedience unto the Lord. As he calls, as he wills, we will follow. So if you need to remain uh, seated, you're welcome to. The rest of us, let's stand and let's respond to our Lord.
You may be seated. As you're seated and before we take the offering, I want to introduce to you Alex Marcos. Alex is a very active member of our um, orchestra at First and our singles ministry here at First Baptist. And about a month or so ago, Alex came and said, um, I've been writing something for the orchestra and I'd like you to take a look at it. And so, so we've been rehearsing it and I wanted him to tell you a little bit about its uh, genesis and, and why we're playing it and how he came to it. So we're very grateful for how God continues to bless us with very talented and gifted people. Alex? Good morning, church family. It's a delight to share one of my compositions with you this morning. This piece, Elevation, is meant to capture the experience of climbing a mountain. The hiker begins at the foot of the mountain, looking up at the summit. What must it be like to stand at the top and look down at the landscape beneath, he wonders. As he starts to climb, he takes in his surroundings, thick clusters of trees, bees buzzing around the yellow flowers, a dirt path sloping gently upward. Each step affords him new vistas to take in, each one different and more expansive than the last. Finally, he reaches the top and takes in the incredible beauty of the valley stretched out below. He can see now those places where he had trod and realizes how all of those lower viewpoints were mere glimpses of the grandeur that is displayed before him. What this hiker sees in the landscape, I hope to communicate through what you will hear in elevation. What is it like to experience a drastic change in elevation in terms of a musical idea? At the beginning of the piece, you'll hear two short recurring phrases that don't seem to connect. But these are just mere fragments of the greater melody. As you continue listening, you'll hear a new melody rising out of these fragments. You may even find yourself coming along or mouthing the words. Suddenly, the hymn bursts out with joy as the entire ensemble embraces that great melody. The tune that I've chosen is not random. I won't spoil it for you, but I think you will recognize it. The lyrics tell of a united creation lifting their song to the creator. The title of this piece, Elevation, is also meant to convey the fact that the musicians are elevating our God and King through their playing. And it is my hope that you will walk away from the performance humming and singing the hymn in your hearts, elevating God in your hearts. Thank you.
Thank you, orchestra, and thank you, Alex. I'm so glad I get to be friends with all these people. Uh, and speaking of friends, here are some friends coming up here. This is the Wimpy family. And this is Matt and Jen and Charles Robert, or Charlie, as we all call him. And these are dear friends of mine. Uh, I, I've known uh, Matt and Jen separately before they married. Uh, Matt and I formed a friendship several years ago when he first came to this church. And then uh, the families, uh, Jen's family and my family, go way back. Our fathers were both in the Department of Public Safety together. My father helped train her father in his rookie years as a state trooper. And so this is, this is just great. And then, about five and a half years ago, uh, I stood with them while they made some promises. And here's Jack coming up here. Uh, while they made some promises to each other uh, at their wedding. And so it's just a, a great thing. And now here are these two that populate this home uh, after they've married. And they come, they've done this with Jack, and they come now with Charles Robert uh, to present themselves and to, to dedicate their home anew uh, now that they have also Charlie here. So uh, Matt and Jen, do you, do you promise to continue to seek to grow in Christ with one another and in this local church with your boys uh, from this point? Do you promise that? Yes. Okay. Church family, do you promise to draw near them in various ways uh, to help them to do that? Do you promise that? Yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. You do. You love me. Let's, let's pray together for this family. Lord, here's Charlie. And you've known him for all his years. And you've known the rest of this family for all their lives, too. And you've never left them all alone. And Lord, we pray your strength on this family, your hope into this family. And Lord, we pray that this church would do what it needs to do in their lives. That we would not be found wanting when it comes to this dear family. We pray that, Lord. Let these boys grow up knowing Jesus Christ and, and the eternal flame that burns in you, our Savior, and in a home that loves Christ. We can't do this without you, and they can't do this without you, Lord. Help us to all do this together for the sake of this dear family, for these boys, and for the sake of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.
and what a great legacy Christmas care is uh, in our church. And so we hope you'll continue to support that and love that. I do have, I just have two Life Together moments uh, for today. That we're going to live today for our Lord in faith. And so let me give, give you two for today. One of those is, uh, in, just a, in just a moment, we're going to be having a senior adult appreciation luncheon. luncheon. It's over in our Lagos uh, service, or in 4th Street Crossing. So what we're asking you to do if you're going to that service is first, you're going to go <laughs> wait in the fellowship hall while we turn 4th Street Crossing over from the worship center into a banquet space. And so we'll have some entertainment for you over here in Fellowship Hall. Then when the food is ready and the room is ready, you'll, you'll walk together and walk over to 4th Street Crossing. So no, we, we love you and we're grateful for you and um, we pray that the lunch will be good. The other thing is tonight at 6 p.m. Tonight at 6 p.m. we're having our inaugural missions celebration night. The number one thing I was asked for when I came here was let's celebrate together all the good things that God has done in and through this church. And so this is step one of that, that process where we're going to have a mission celebration night. We're going to come together tonight from 6 to 7 and look at all the mission trips that we went on this year and celebrate all the good things that God did on all of those. We did 17 trips that were our people serving across the globe, and we're going to look at each one of them and praise God uh, for the work that was done in those. So we pray that you'll be here at 6 for that. And though immediately following at 7 o'clock, there will be opportunity for you to meet with some of those ministry team leaders and talk to them face-to-face because many of those 17 trips that we took this last year uh, will be happening again uh, in in, uh, the next year. And so we would love for you to come and celebrate with us as we look back on all the good that God has done in the life of this church. Now, lastly, you see these these beautiful uh, floral arrangements in front of me. They're given to the glory of God and in loving memory of Mary Elizabeth Wimpy, um, by Bill and Matthew, Jen, Jack, and Charlie, um, that we just saw here in the dedication of the home. And so we, we remember Mary Elizabeth Wimpy well. Praise the Lord. As we're dismissed, let's stand together and sing, Take the Name of Jesus with You.
First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.